Welcome to the Decompression Chamber. I am Andrea, and this week I am joined by my friend Casey. And uh, Casey, how are you doing today? Hey, y'all. <laughs> it's good to see you, sister. It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, so for this episode, we'll we'll delve into uh, your time in the military, but kind of... St- I like chronological order. I'm not uh, Quentin Tarantino over here. Um, starting kind of back at the beginning, where were you, where were you born and raised? What was childhood uh, like? I, I was I was born and raised in East Tennessee. Um, I I lived there until well, I lived there until I left for the army. Oh wow! Um, so it was uh, it's a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty rural environment. Uh, so I wasn't exposed to a lot of things. That's sure. uh, one of the, the things about the army that, that was a positive was it was a true eye opener. Uh, mm. I saw things I had never seen some good, some, you know, not so good. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Well, especially like you said, you're very geographically set <laughs> oh, leading yeah, up absolutely. into the army. Now, did you go, go in right after high school or? Uh, no. Uh, okay. My story is every parent's nightmare. So I'm just going to be <laughs> I love about it. this. Okay. Uh, after high school, I went straight to college. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't ready to go to college. Mm-hmm. I actually had a discussion with my father and said, Hey, I'm really not ready for this. I don't think mm-hmm. you should send me to college. And he explained to me that not only was I going to go to college, that I was going to major in business. Oh, wow. Guess what? I didn't. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a little different. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna pretend like I was a good student. I was a, I was a horrible student. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I lived in a fraternity house where we overlooked the baseball field. I saw every single baseball game. There was a home game. And I got oh, hammered every single time. <laughs> we, would do, so we would do this thing called white trash night where we would get bottles of Andre champagne and oh, drink yeah. them out of paper cups. That, I so, mean, <laughs> that stuff like in my time was two bucks a bottle. How much was it when, when it, you were doing that? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I can't imagine it was more than that. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. So it was, it was cheap fun and uh, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, so much so that I, I got a letter from the university saying, uh, dear Casey, get your life together and <laughs> we'll see you when you do. Oh, no. So, uh, I got a job and was working that and, uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Okay. So my grandfather served in the second world war. My dad served mm-hmm. in Vietnam. So my grandfather wholeheartedly supported the military. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird because the places my grandfather served, uh, pretty awful. I mean, he saw some horrible things. Uh, He was in D-Day. He was in Palermo, Italy. Uh, He was in the invasion of Sicily. Yeah, just just awful, awful stuff. But he loved it. Uh, My father had a very different impression of the military. He, like, had no time for it. But, you know, coming home, it wasn't so great. And it was looked down upon. Yeah. So uh, I went to a recruiter's office mm-hmm. uh, and 
did I mention that I grew up in a real sheltered environment? Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so I asked I asked the recruiter the important question. Hey, um, if I join the army, can I still get my visa bill? No shit. I really said that. Wow. As dumb as it is, when he said yes, I went, okay, why don't you join? Wow. And he just looked at me like, what's wrong with you, kid? You know, it's that's how they get you. Everyone thinks you sign away like for your whatever amount of time for an enlistment that you really thought it through. And that's just never the case. It's never oh, happened. <laughs> well, and the, thing, the thing that was, I, I don't know. One of the reasons he looked at me like I was nuts was uh, I went into the recruiting office the day the 101st airborne had deployed to go over to Kuwait. It was oh, like, wow. okay, the war's going to start. Yes. And I walked in to join up. And in the back of my head, <clears throat> I had this idea that when I got home, mm-hmm. that my grandfather and I could go up to the VFW and I could finally sit and have a drink with my grandfather, have a beer, and, you know, be like the grown people. Yeah. That's a stupid idea. But well, that's that's really what I thought. Yeah. So, I, that's why, you know, rituals from, you know, childhood to adulthood, <clears throat> very important and, and really kind of absent in, in our culture. So the military kind of takes place of that in a lot of, for a lot of people. In, I, I, you know, I had... Essentially, well, not essentially, hell, I did. I basically failed my way out of college by just enjoying the hell out of myself. <laughs> yeah, like every parent's nightmare. I, if you look at my transcripts from that time, seriously, it's like, holy shit, what happened to this kid? Yeah, like I didn't know GPAs could be expressed in <clears throat> fractions. This is amazing. Yeah, you can go into <laughs> negative numbers? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I, I remember having to see an academic advisor and she said, you know, you can recover from this. Now you're probably never going to teach at Harvard. Right. And I was like, oh, is that a place? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Harvard. What? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, go to a map station, sign up. Um, they have a delayed enlistment program. I was delayed by 10 days. Oh, wow. I, I was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they put me on an airplane. They send me off to basic training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get there and it's dark. Of course. They serve you. I think we had a hamburger was, was what they served us. Uh, and then you, you're put in this dormitory. Um, and it was just, none of it seemed real. Yes. So the next morning they shave your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dress you up like a tree cause you, everything's camouflaged and, exactly. uh, you, you get ready to go to basic. They come over, they march over. You have this huge ass duffel bag with all those clothes that you were given. Yeah, by the way, you're not given the clothes. What you find out when you get your first paycheck, you bought all that. Yes. Yeah. They give you the money yeah. just so you can turn around and spend it on your uniforms. Exactly. Makes oh, the sense. boots are fabulous. No, they're not. No. <laughs> no, they're just garbage. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I did I did basic. Um, they sent me to my AIT, which I, I think in the Navy, you guys call that B school, don't you? Uh, a school, but yeah, your a advanced school. individual training. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did that. Uh, after that, I got sent to jump school at Benning, uh, which was just kind of a really weird deal. Um, How so? it's Columbus, Georgia is on the border of Alabama and Georgia. Sure. Uh, and the joke is, there is no gravity. The the drop zone is actually in the state of Alabama, 
uh, the joke is there is no gravity. Alabama just sucks, and that's why you fall to the ground. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> which I was completely okay with because I didn't go to school in Alabama. So <laughs> fair enough. Uh, did that, and uh, you know we, we're hearing all this stuff about the war, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and. You know, none of it did. Right, <laughs> none, right. It was over probably it. before you got out of depth. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty close. Uh, <laughs> it, it ended pretty quickly. So, um, I had a couple, a couple, did a couple other things. The first time I got to see something that I thought was really cool mm-hmm. was they sent me to South Korea. Okay. You, you know how you fill out where you want it to be stationed? Yeah, and then the the detailer just throws that away and sends you wherever. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I didn't I didn't ask to come to South Korea. Yeah, we don't give a shit. It's the, it's the army. That's, okay, that's where you're going. <clears throat> yeah, well, a friend of mine and I developed a theory mm-hmm. that the reason we have wars is because the weather is shitty. Any place that has really good weather, they don't have wars. Jamaica, not a war. Yeah, I'm going to point that out to you. That's true. Uh, San Diego, not a war. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very you know, true. South Korea, where they had monsoons, big ass war. Oh, uh, yes, big, uh, Kuwait in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, horrible, horrible heat, oh, humidity, yeah. uh, especially in, in Saudi. And yeah, it was awful. So, big war. Mm-hmm. Um, Korea was kind of eye opening in that I, I met I met Sergeant Barber. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant Barber is a friend of mine. He's no longer a sergeant. He's out and a civilian now. But he was like the first person who taught me what the military was. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean. It's, we all have mentors like that. <clears throat> I mean, if we had somewhat of a decent experience. So that's that's great. Well, I, they took me out for the first time to the, to the community around the, the base. Yes. Um, here's the thing. They never build military bases in good places. No. They're in they're in the ghetto. Yes, they, uh, they you need cheap ghetto. real estate to build an installation yeah. that huge. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it becomes like the military ghetto. So you have all these things that they think GIs are going to want to buy. Yes. Uh, so I go out the very first time. Uh, Sergeant Barber is with us, and I'm, I'm with the scout platoon. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there drinking something called soju. Okay. Uh, it, People told me, they said, well, it, it's like Korean moonshine. No, it isn't, but it's just cheap liquor. Yeah. They mix it in a teapot with fruit juice. I, I'd never had cherry juice in my life. They poured cherry juice in this. So um, we drank one, and then we drank another one. And I noticed that I couldn't hear <laughs> after that. <laughs> I what I so we're all cow. sitting down, and they say, hey, okay, we're, we're going to go to some other place. I stand up and like, oh shit, I am hammered. Oh yeah. Korea is spinning at this point. And it's not like you came out of it like, oh, I, you know, left my Mormon upbringing right after high school. It's like you went to college and did some serious drinking and then, then you met your match. Oh yeah. Uh, I will say as, as far as boozing is concerned, the army made me a professional. Oh yeah, For real. I, I thought I could handle my liquor. Oh no, no, not even close. Yeah. Um, they took me to a club, and I, I believe the name of the place was the Ar- Ariang Ariang Club. Ariang Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
you've heard my accent. I don't speak Korean any better than English. Just, you know. <laughs> so we go into this bar and there is this mural painted there of a naked woman. Ah. And it says, there is this phrase up above that says, get fucked here. Oh, well, spells it oh, out Oh, is it going to be expensive? You know, <laughs> are they going to rip us off? Probably. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah well, yeah, I'm belaboring. Look, I had never seen a prostitute in my life. Yeah. I mean, I knew that they existed. Right. But I grew up in East Tennessee. We didn't have those. If you Just, did. You know, <laughs> if you did, she probably was a Southern Baptist. And what she really was trying to do was sell you some baked goods to raise right. money for the church. Exactly. Um, yeah, not, not exactly. A, a prostitute hunter, but... bake sale. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. It, it brings a whole new meaning to sticky buns. It really does. <laughs> um, so, so we sit down and we start drinking this stuff called Oscar. Um, okay. Remember when I talked about the cheap champagne? Yeah. Yeah. Andre. Okay. Yeah. Oscar is this comes in a champagne bottle. Sure. It tastes like peaches. Ah. Yeah. That that's the going down part. When it comes back up, and oh my God, it will come back up. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't taste like peaches anymore, and it really hurts because of all that carbonation. Of course. So we we all get a bottle of Oscar. We're all drinking, uh, and these nice ladies come over because they want to. Oh hell, they were trying to pick us up, so we pay them. Of course. Uh, yeah, I didn't catch on because I'm not that bright. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> well. And I'm like. Sergeant Barber, I think this chick really likes me. He's like, what? Uh, do you have money on you? <laughs> well, well, no. Why? He goes, yeah. Um, she likes the money she thinks you have. So you kind of just need to put it in, in slow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we, we laugh, we get back to post and I just proceeded to get horribly sick. Oh yeah, it threw up everywhere. Hey, hey, welcome to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, so man. it was. Uh, I, I can remember we would do company runs, and we were at elevation. So you, oh you know, no, you, first couple weeks, man, you. Oh, oh, I uh, had, yeah, you're elevation, and you're probably hungover consistently, and you're gonna have to learn how to maybe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Most most often, I was uh, kind of work either working on a hangover or there's this phenomenon. And I, you, I'm sure you encountered this too. <clears throat> you drink real hard the night before. Mm -hmm. You get up. You're kind of halfway together. You go run and you start getting that blood circulating again. And holy crap, you're drunk all over again. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Oh boy. Uh, so. One of the guys in my unit, uh, my first week, I'm like, <gasps> I can't breathe because we're we're at elevation. Uh, he slows down to run with me, mm -hmm. and I swear to God, he reaches in his shorts, pulls out a lighter and a pack of cigarettes, fires up a cigarette Ooh. while we're running. <laughs> He's like, you, you, you gonna hang or you gonna drop out? I'm like, well, no, I'm gonna keep running. There you go. Okay. And he finishes smoke with me and then he, he threw it down and said, okay, I'll see you back. And wow. he took off. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, so that was kind of a weird deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds like it. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I, 
did some uh, I got to I got to see some things I'd never seen monsoon season oh yeah uh, I, I thought it was just like there's gonna be this horrible one rain day no it just it just some days it forever. rains real hard and some days it rains real soft and it just never stops is the deal it's it's like a Forrest Gump's description of it it re- even rained upside down yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah uh, I, the first the winter I was over there uh I had never seen snow as high as my head. Oh, right, right. Yeah, East Tennessee, it probably doesn't snow very much, right? No, I mean, really, it it did. And I saw snow over my head. I was like, holy, wow, this is wild. Yeah, Um, it's wild. Where where in South Korea were you stationed again? I was was at Camp Casey, which is a 2nd Infantry Division. Okay. Um, I I was with an armor unit, and... uh, the, when I got there, the the unit was two hundred percent over strength because stop loss, can, oh. nobody can leave. We have to keep you here. Yeah. So two hundred percent over, and we were kind of just, uh, what are we gonna do? Yeah. Uh, one of one of the team sergeants found out that I had gone to school and said, "Hey, college boy, come here." Uh oh. <laughs> this doesn't sound good. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, yeah. Sounds you can good. type, can't you? Yes. Okay, well you're gonna be a clerk now. <laughs> so they, oh, yeah, they sent yeah. me over to the pack office. Uh and I, I thought, well, okay, this could be kind of cool. Yeah. I bet you I'd never have to go to the field. Oh no, you go to the field. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, have extra duties. Yeah, that's all. Exactly. That well what what happened was I wasn't in the barracks with the the, the scout platoon. Okay. Uh, I, they housed me in a little Quonset hut that I swear to you dated back to the first episode of MASH. <laughs> uh, oh. And I was I was with all Katusas, which uh, Korean augmentees to the United States Army, K K A T U S A. So the, these are Korea has a draft. South Korea has a draft. So all these college kids get drafted in, in the army for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. but they can speak English and they can speak Korean. So they're kind of translators. Okay. Yeah. So I lived in, I was the only American that lived there. I had to answer the phone in Korean and, and the whole deal. Yobaseo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mentioned that these kids were all, you know, college people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, every single Korean holiday, they would get just roaringly drunk. <laughs> not, not, entertainingly bust i mean just hammered just can't stand Uh, up yeah oh yep yep i saw that one a lot i saw uh there's really not a corner in a quonset hut because it's this big half moon uh and i saw a guy trying to take a piss in the corner he was so drunk yeah. Um, and like I said, you, you can't really find a corner to cross it up. No. <laughs> uh, like, isn't that how you make a blonde crazy? Like, tell her, <laughs> tell her to go pee in a corner. <laughs> I like Sorry, I like I'm, I'm having cat technical difficulties. She keeps. Well, I noticed she things. made a, like a really nasty face. I thought, oh, what did I say? Oh, but, no, no. She, so she keeps a, a, ruining it, stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of her job. I mean, you know. Yeah. Cat job description is, I will destroy everything that you love. Yeah. <laughs> I will shit in inopportune moments and places. Yes. Well, luckily not places, but uh, but yeah, she definitely needs. I definitely need to teach her how to light a match. She's knocking <laughs> over my light. All right. 
we're, we're back we're reset okay so um so yeah, it, with the uh korean college boys no so that that was kind of fun i uh i was on orders to go to fort stewart which is in in georgia mm-hmm. um it, it uh awesome post you're in savannah georgia i don't know if you've ever been to to st patrick's day in savannah georgia i know new york is going to say hey we have the best st patrick's day chicago says exactly the same thing it's the biggest it's the best i tell you right now the (laughs) best st patrick's day you will ever have in your life is in savannah georgia because the weather's great and no one gives a rat's ass what you do okay just you just drink and have a great time and the food is fantastic what could be simpler yeah exactly so with all that in mind i was stoked oh yeah i was gonna be at fort stewart it was gonna be great uh i could drive up and see my parents if i wanted to oh yeah yeah you're pretty close to home sure so then i have a colonel call me into his office yeah this is not this is where it goes really bad (laughs) Uh, and uh colonel says well you know you you've done an excellent job and we have a, a request here. They're looking for someone at uh, the Army War College. And we're decided that we're going to change your orders and we're going to send you there. Oh, and you're leaving Korea a month early oh, to boy. go there. Oh, boy. So, oh, oh okay. Okay, I'll do this. <laughs> so the Army War College, if, you, if you've never heard of it, um, it, it is the final military school Mm-hmm. where officers are trained to they're trained in tactics and in thinking at the at the division mm-hmm. or core level right um you have sister services that mm-hmm. come there so you, you have navy personnel you have air force personnel marines sure you have foreign nationals come over oh interesting which is yeah so one of the one of the colonels that was there my first year was the uh he was the tank or the company commander of a tank battalion was Kuwaiti tank battalion who were the first ones to go back and retake their country. And those are like the Um, perfect people to teach. I mean, you rip them right off the battlefield with the most up-to-date tactics. One of the, one of the guys that that was there at the time I was there was uh, this fellow who ran the opposition force at the national training center yeah so he he could not only speak fluent russian he actually could drive russian tanks wow shoot ak's like uh, hell like he was trying to do because he was really good well yeah and 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 you think of the time frame it's not like you know this would have been it had the wall even it had like the soviet union even like come apart yet like how many people like this wall came down when the wall came down uh before I before I joined the army, yeah. So yeah. I, I I was in with a bunch of guys who'd been in Germany when it did, and they kept talking about how it was just a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they would have passports and they would show you the stamps where they'd gone into East Germany. Yeah, yeah. Like when Wild. East Germany existed, yeah, just it's just amazing. Um, I should probably also mention that uh, in addition to foreign services coming there, we also had government people. The government people are people who work for agencies in the government that have three letters. Mm-hmm. And 
when the class picture is taken, they don't show up. <laughs> and when they when they graduate and when they leave, they get orders. Mm-hmm. Five sets of orders. Oh, good grief. Five sets going five different places. Wow. That's yeah. wild. Um, and you, they wore civilian clothes, tried to blend in, but you kind of could figure it out real quick. Yeah, what exactly they're up to. The cool thing was you had so many guest speakers come in mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I, I got to, to meet Colin Powell. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I mean, nothing more, nothing more than hello, sir. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. It's not like he was a classmate, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, not, not even remotely, <laughs> not even remotely. Yeah. Um, the first president Bush came, um, and we got to, got to see him. Uh, and then when the second president Bush invaded Iraq mm-hmm. and the news had all these military advisors on, mm-hmm. I knew 90% of them. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, he was the war college. Yeah, he was at the war. Yeah. And wow. so I, these are, these are folks that I had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, the war college is located in a little town in central Pennsylvania called Carlisle. Okay. Um, Carlisle it's it's a little tiny college town. Dickinson College is there. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times when people would say, well, you're, what do you do? You're, you're in the army? You're stationed where? Yeah. We have an army base here? Yeah. But they had no idea it existed. Interesting. Yeah. So which was just, just kind of strange. Uh, I, uh, I, I, we would go into Harrisburg and we'd go into Philadelphia or we would go into Pittsburgh, which... I can't say enough good things about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Uh, if you don't know yet, let me just tell you, it is a drinking town that has a bad steel problem, or at least it used to have a bad steel problem. I, no, not so much. The The only time I've been there, and this is absolutely true, is when I was moving from Salt Lake City to New York City, stopped to get a drink with my friend Zach. So I had the U-Haul, my car trailered. One sticking point, I had my cat. I'm like, well, I can't oh, leave her oh. in the truck. And he goes, well, we're going to go to this bar. I'm, I'm sure it's fine. So we just brought the cat in the carrier to the bar. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. We're just sitting there drinking with a cat. <laughs> so, yeah, Pittsburgh was cool. What, what I really liked was they had, you know, you have all these uh, places that would serve like Russian food or Polish food. Yeah. Uh, there was this little, I can't remember the name of it. It was this pastry that was Czech in origin. Oh uh, man, it was awesome. I loved it. Okay. So you, you can kind of see a theme here where I'm just sort of enjoying myself, yeah. not really thinking about anything other than enjoying myself. Oh, um, that's what you do for as long as you can. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, my world at that point was I, uh, I, I, I had seen Korea mm-hmm. and I knew there were different things in the world. Sure. So uh, one night I am out and I'm trying to talk to these two young ladies. Um, they look, we used to call it, oh, they look punk rock. Right. Okay. Uh, one had tattoos on her arm. The other one, um, she was kind of dressed really provocatively. Uh, well, both of them kind of were. Right. And so uh, I'm not that bright, but uh 
they pretty much think I'm a walking, talking Forrest Gump <laughs> uh, because they hear my accent and they're like, Oh, where are you from? And yeah. I, you know, yeah. she get into that and she rubs my head and she goes, nice haircut. What do you do? I said, I'm in the army. <laughs> what, what do you do? And she looks me in the eye and she says, I'm a dancer. And I'm like, oh, are you with a ballet here? <laughs> no, I really said that. Hilarious. Not be smart man. <laughs> she started laughing. Yeah. She calls her friend over and says, tell her what you just told me. And I said it again. <laughs> she starts laughing. Hilarious. She takes my hand and uh, one of those big pins, mm -hmm. uh, she writes an address on it. She said, this is where I work. Tomorrow night, you come see me. So it was a, it was a strip club in Harrisburg that was. A, oh boy! Oh, I can't even remember the name of the place. So anyway, uh, I, I I go in there and I see her, except I see way more of her this time. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, uh, there's no pressure on the first date when you've already seen her naked. You just you, you know, there's not. That's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, and her friend was there and she got equally just as naked. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had never, like I hadn't been in a strip club before and I didn't really know that, any of this stuff. That's another rite of passage with the military is going to a strip club. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do. Is, and it's kind of, it's one of those things where if, if you want to drink and have a good time, strip club is probably a real bad place to do that because the booze is going to be overpriced. And if you think you're going to have this romantic liaison, yeah, uh, yeah they didn't work that way. No, no, sorry. Nope. What was it Chris Rock said? There is no champagne in the champagne room? There, yeah. That's yeah. how it is. No sex in the champagne room. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what a stripper um, tells you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I started dating this, this woman. And it was fun. Mm -hmm. and she was funny. Um, she liked me because I looked like nobody she had ever dated before. <laughs> yeah. Which is to say, no piercings, yeah. no tattoos, no anything. Uh, and so she she loved going places with me. Uh, and because I would, you know, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm taking her to nerdy places she doesn't know exists. Yeah, yeah. This is called a museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, some of the MPs on post mm -hmm. decide they're going to have a good time on a, I think it was a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And they go to a strip club in Harrisburg. Uh. And they're in there being army guys and they're drinking and they're being loud and they're catcalling. Sure. And, and all this stuff. And, uh, uh, she goes up to them and says, um, you, are you guys in the military? They're like, yeah, we're in the army. Are you at the war college? Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> and so she's, she had just uh, kind of gotten off stage. So she was no, no top on, mm -hmm. uh, had a little G string on. And she goes, Oh, well, do you, do you know KC? <laughs> and they go, yeah, yeah. She sits down in a chair, pulls the G string to the side, shows 
her uh oh let's call them her mommy parts uh right. yeah yeah and, and the you know the the tips that she made that evening she showed them. The, yeah the, yes. the, the uh, she, and her, she had a, her labia pierced and uh yeah so wow. she's she does that and puts fingers in you know places and says oh he's my boyfriend <laughs> so uh wow conversation yeah about four about, about uh, I, I say four i had to be closer to three because the bars I, I think closed at three um oh. i get this pounding on my door <laughs> uh my roommate gets up answers it like we have to talk to casey we have to talk to casey oh. we just met his girlfriend you know she's a stripper oh boy oh. yeah okay so that's uh that sounds bad <laughs> yeah this so, is um, gonna be a problem it was it was just kind of a, a weird a weird deal uh yeah we'll say <laughs> uh it, it didn't work out but i had a great time and uh that's kind of what i was looking for yeah, uh, hey, nothing wrong with that, especially if you don't get married. Like, good, clean yeah. fun. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, I I ended up meeting uh, another lady who, uh, well, she had red hair, fishnet stockings, and a micro mini skirt, and she was standing beside of a keg of beer. Sounds like you have a type. Yes, she was the perfect <laughs> one. Uh, she, uh, I, I, I later learned the red hair was fake, which is kind of appropriate because so is she. Um, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I start dating her, and you know, getting more serious and more serious, and uh, she tells me that instead of reenlisting, what I need to do is get out of the army because I need to make a lot more money to uh, give her the lifestyle to which she hoped to become accustomed. Oh boy. Yeah. Red yeah. flags so, all over the place. Oh God. So I get out, uh, I go into the reserves, which kids, if you're thinking about the military active duty, it is tremendous. Yes. Everything that you love about it will not be in the reserves and everything you hated 100%. on active duty. Exactly. It's going to be there uh, to a, factor of 10 for real yes yes so i did that uh i i worked nights and uh i got off you know as the sun's coming up and i uh i had a, a little i had a little tiny subaru mm -hmm. and i got plowed into by a tanker truck it knocked my car 750 yards oh my god uh, the door came in and crushed my pelvis between the door and the console that was to the side, wow. uh, broke my ribs, punctured my lungs. Uh, I also had a brain injury. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, to be tossed like nearly half a mile, you're lucky that's all that happened. Oh, holy yeah. shit. So they cut me out of the, the vehicle. Um, they cut a trike for me. They, well, they cardioverted me first to restart my heart. Cut uh, a trike in. Uh, they flew me to Penn State's teaching hospital, which, believe it or not, it's actually in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, chocolate and a level one trauma center. Hershey has it going on. <laughs> yeah, one stop shopping. Uh, exactly, exactly. So I I'm there. Uh, I come out of a, a coma 
after 14 days. Wow. Uh, I go to a rehab and I, the, I remember the biggest thing I did at the rehab was where um, they had taken the trach out and I started to talk again. Yeah. And it was kind of, I would, I, I had trouble remembering words or remembering how things were. Oh yeah. You know, like, oh, the term for that is, uh, yeah, I, it's not there. Yeah. So I, I didn't make a lot of physical progress there. Yeah. Uh, and my, my family decided that I would probably do better at a rehab closer to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I ended up at, at Vanderbilt Stallworth, which is the uh, rehabilitation hospital in Nashville, Tennessee for Vanderbilt Medical. Yeah. Um, I learned how to walk there again. Uh, I learned how to read there again, wow. which was, I had a, what happened, the back of your brain is your occipital lobe. Yes. And so I had some damage to the occipital lobe. And so words were not kind of where they needed to be on a page. Interesting. It improved. As, as, as I healed up, uh, I lost what was called field cuts. And I could see the whole page rather than just a little bit. Weird. So it was great. Now I'm, I'm telling you that horrible story to go back to the fake redhead for a moment. <laughs> um, <clears throat> my family met her and uh, it was kind of an instant dislike. Yeah. Like, yeah. The first time that you brushed your teeth and then you drank a big glass of orange juice. Yeah. That was an instant dislike. Yes. You made that face. Yeah. Which was by the way, the face my parents were making when they met, uh, this fake right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They yeah, were not on board. It. Yeah. So she calls me when I'm in the rehab and says, look, I, I think this is what we should do. I'll, I'll fly down there mm-hmm. and we'll get a Justice of the Peace to Marius right in the hospital. Oh, boy. Big sweeping gesture. Yeah. Uh, she's like, uh, okay, what's this going to uh, Yeah. Well, with your so aphasia I, or dysphagia, you're not going to remember. Yeah. So I, 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 even even with a brain injury, I, I had the, the good sense to go, yeah, I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah. I don't think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, at the very least, just to postpone it till you know, you have all of your faculties closer to 100%. Well, that whole, the phrase is walking down the aisle and uh, I couldn't walk. So that was yeah. a problem. <laughs> problem number one. Exactly. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I, I get out of the rehab hospital. Uh, I continue with physical therapy. Uh, I, I graduated to a walker and from the walker, I went to a cane. Mm-hmm. And one day I didn't need a cane anymore. Oh, that's great. And it was what a great fantastic. feeling. Fantastic. Uh, I called Miss Fake Red Hair uh, at work mm-hmm. to tell her the good news. And uh, she wasn't there. So she called me the very next day. And I said, well, hi. What would you do last night? She said, I had to work. You knew that. Did you know? Uh, I, I called work and you, you, uh, you weren't there. And she, she said, uh, Oh, I didn't, I didn't want it to be this way. What? So she tells me she's met a guy who, and this is an exact quote. He can walk and everything. 
Yeah, and she uh, she dumped me on the phone for uh, oh, for Mr. Walking Talking. Uh, uh, he he uh, was a, a lacrosse player, and I know that because they've been married for two decades now. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, does he at least anyway, still try to make a living as a lacrosse player and not providing a life? I, I had no, I, I have no idea to? what the man does. I, I have no idea what the man does. I, I don't. I know that she's in public relations. Which, <laughs> well, I mean, what a field. <laughs> well, and she's <clears throat> look. I would imagine she's really good at it because probably she's figuring hell. That's it. Yeah. That's kind of what PR is. Yeah, that, uh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I wow. I didn't know what the hell to do at that point. Um, yeah. I I had VA money to go to school, mm -hmm. so I went over uh, to the the college and enrolled and took a class. Mm -hmm. And since I didn't know what to take, I took an edu educational psychology class okay. because I, if I don't know what to study, maybe I should learn how you study. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I mentioned I had a bank brain injury, right? Yeah. Right. So my thinking was not that great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I took it and I got an A. Fantastic. And I didn't understand. Wait a minute. I, <laughs> I don't get A's in college. This is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I just started taking more and more classes. Mm -hmm. and uh decided this is what i was going to do um oh, that's great yeah I, I probably should have told you um when i was the war college i got into my head that i really wanted to be an officer mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, the degree that i did not take uh from my college uh the army said you kind of have to have that oh yeah yeah so i i the credits that i had and the classes I would need, I found a college. It was just one of the first distance learning colleges, fully accredited by the state of New York. Okay. Uh, and I, I took a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I had to take extra classes to do this, but I, I did. And so I have an undergraduate degree in English literature. Okay. Not quite the business that my dad wanted me to study. Uh, no, not, <laughs> not quite there, but you know, like I, sure it's a know. good compromise. College um, of Humanities then, rather than College of Business. Yeah, but I mean, let me let's think about this for a moment. A degree in English literature because what I wanted to do was be an infantry officer. <laughs> well, I'm gonna shoot these guys, but first let's talk about Faulkner. Yeah, <laughs> not a not a cool match, I don't think. <laughs> well, I mean, there's goofier degrees. I mean, what was it? Uh, you know, Michael Murphy from uh, Operation Red Wings. Yep. Uh, he, I think he was uh, a philosophy, had a bachelor's in philosophy. The, the best sergeant major I ever met mm -hmm. was, uh, he was our division sergeant major. And the guy had a master's degree in social work from the University of California at Berkeley, by the way. Wow. Yeah. He went to Berkeley after he got home from Vietnam. Wow. Yeah, he, he was he was with a uh, uh, long range reconnaissance patrol unit, uh, the LERP units. Uh -huh. And uh, the guy was just kind of a badass. 
after he did those tours, he did two tours back to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he wanted to do something different. And so took a bachelor's and a master's, uh, mm-hmm. ended up, was it, I was still doing reserve stuff, went back on active duty after his master's, which is kind of weird, yeah. but he, he did it. Uh, well, apparently from at that time, if you were in a reserve component and you want to go active duty, they're like, please come, please, please. We need you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so he did that. And I, I, I tell you all that to say, a lot of times you, it really feels like, um, people sort of misjudge, uh, military folks and they sure. think that they're just, well, they think, of course in the military, they couldn't do anything else. There's a lot of really educated, incredibly brilliant and skilled folks who Absolutely. are serving. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Forgive my narrative for being so off. Uh, no, no, that's, that's a great, it's <clears throat> a great point. Um, I, I was, I was talking about those educational psych uh, classes. Well, I, I ended up getting a master's degree in counseling psychology. Interesting. Yeah, I never, never would have believed I would do something like that. Yeah. What What um, drew you to that? I mean, you didn't want to go for a master's in English lit and wanted to find something else. You, you think, and you think you would, because there's there's so many of those high level jobs that want you to have that master's in English lit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Which I, I what, do, what do you do with that exactly? I don't teach English or, or lit. You work for yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I did that. Now, I, I didn't go to a big college. I went to a small college, and so everybody knew everybody else in the program. At least I kind of thought we did. Right. Uh, one of my old fraternity brothers was in the program. Interesting. I. I the first, the first class, I saw him. Steve, what the hell are you doing here? Guys, <laughs> it's good to see you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I, he asked me what was going on with me. I said, well, I just got out of rehab. Steve said, oh, me too. <laughs> me too. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, where'd you go? Oh, I was at Vanderbilt Stallworth in Nashville. Oh, what were you in rehab for? So I explained yeah, the yeah. accident and all this crap. Yeah. He's like, oh, I was in the other rehab about uh, trying to not store cocaine yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so I, you know why do people go into psychology well maybe because they kind of needed it i don't know could be yeah yeah for sure and I'm, I'm i'm telling you all that to tell you that uh one day i am in the school bookstore and i see steve and he is with He was with the kind of girl that I always, always, always wanted to go out with, and they would never have a damn thing to do with me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, oh, she is so my type, and yeah, she's not going to want to go out with me. Yeah, yeah. So he introduces me to her, mm-hmm. uh, and she and I uh, decide we're going to study together because we're, uh, your written comprehensive exams are. Uh, enter you into candidacy mm-hmm. and then you defend your, your master's thesis to, to be done. Right. Yeah. So we've got these written exams coming up. And so we decided that we're going to study together. And uh, we studied for about 15 minutes, a, a good 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I left there a lot 
later than I thought I would. So, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, and she and I started dating. Oh, and wow. Yeah, it gets better. Um, <laughs> we got married uh, when I had, I was at the end of my doctoral program and she she hadn't begun hers yet. Wow. Uh, oh, no, no, I, I take it back. She was, she was actually in her uh, first year. Okay. Uh, doctor. So uh, I guess I'm blowing the lead. Oh, by the way, I, I went and got a PhD. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I married a woman who, who has one too. Fantastic. So, wow. um, I got to, got to work for the university, got, uh, got to work in brain injury rehab, wow. uh, which was, was really, really interesting. Well, uh, I especially, folks. you know, yeah. it's, it's like coming full circle in your case, yeah. you know, having been going through that, needing it yourself and, and being a patient and then, you know, seeing the other side of it. You talk about going full circle. Um, I had to do a, uh, an internship as part of my master's program. Okay. I did it at Vanderbilt Stallworth. So I. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's you were treated. <laughs> it's wow. it's kind of like, wow, I remember this. This is better on this side. <laughs> it, was, it was, I mean, a lot of fun. Um, that's amazing. I, I work with folks with uh, intellectual disabilities and, and autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, was in business, sold the company to the largest competitor in the United States. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, tiny little stuff. Uh, so I needed a job after that. Of course. Uh, so I went to work for the Department of Corrections. Yeah, I got um, to be a psychologist in a prison. Wow. Uh, first, I worked in the women's system. Uh, which is the first week I worked there, the psychiatrist came to me and he was an older guy. He had been, uh, he'd been the uh, director of psychology for uh, a state university medical school. Okay. Um, he, he had also, um, I, I, there's an old Brad Pitt movie uh, where he's supposed to be mentally ill. He was the technical director to, teach him how to be mentally ill. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So I'm telling you all that to tell you, this guy is really credentialed. He asked me what I think of the place and I'd only been there a week. And I said, I have seen things that I literally own, but about textbooks, I thought this would be easy, man. This is really interesting. Yeah. And he just laughed and said, that's exactly why I'm here. <laughs> he, he retired from the university. He did. The man certainly didn't need money. That's right. for sure. Right. Um, but that's that's why I was there. So yeah, I I uh, transferred to a medium security prison where I did sex offender treatment. And uh, interesting. Yeah. So the <laughs> army didn't give me PTSD. Uh, yeah, working in prisons kind of did. I I, I, I <laughs> can hear, imagine. You hear things that you cannot unhear. Oh um, yeah, it's. And at the end of the yeah at the, at the end of the day you you can only wash your hands so much. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to chip away at anybody. I, it doesn't matter how yeah. resilient you are or, or anything. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I transferred to a Mac, men's maximum security prison. Uh, kind of the worst, dumbest thing I ever did in my life. Yeah, I mean, and not knowing much I, about the prison system, if you're having problems yeah. with medium security, maximum security sounds like 
axe murders and yeah, well, and then they rape the corpses. I, I, yeah, it was it was worse than the time I ate sushi from Seven Eleven. I mean, it was like <laughs> a bad decision. Really, don't now. Now it's not funny. I was in San Francisco. I thought I was being highly cultured. Well, oh, I mentioned I live in a real sheltered kind of life. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and you realize uh, that Seven Eleven doesn't sell sushi. It was just because someone left it there, and exactly. Yeah. Um, I got assaulted more than once. Oh God! Um, the The last time I got assaulted, uh, the guy had a uh, a knife, a, a shank, and he was trying to stab me. And oh, the weirdest thing was, he had two correctional officers, one on each side, and he still was able to break away from them and come do that. Uh, Holy shit! I had been assaulted previously. I had the same year I had seen my boss get stabbed and um, the officer who responded, who was a buddy of mine, uh-huh. get stabbed. And my God, my buddy who got stabbed, I, I saw arterial spray, which. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. That's, yeah. That that's was kind of uh, scary as hell. Uh, so this guy's doing this and I. um I'm trying to remember exactly the way the attorney told me to say it. Um, I used physical force, yes, minimum physical force to respond to the threat. Yes, yeah, so, such yeah. a sanitary way to, you know, respond to such a savage, personal. <laughs> you know, because it, it, like, is that Nick Swordson joke? He says like, if I got shot, you know, it'd be terrible. But like getting stabbed, it's like you're there the whole time. Like ah, you, like you see the knife coming. I, oh, it's, yeah. It sounds horrific, and then they give like this totally antiseptic description. I used the minimum force necessary to compel <laughs> compliance, and uh, like, well, the, whatever. This this guy had a lot of animus towards me. Uh, he really didn't like me. Um, Evidently not. <laughs> yeah, uh, he threatened to kill me three times, three different times. Um, he. I, every time he did made those threats, I there's a report that you fill out, and I filled it out so that the security director sees it, the deputy warden and the warden see these things, so staff it can be appropriate. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Like so, maybe a third guard to keep him from stabbing you. you. How about the two guards who were there maybe kind of do their job because they were walking directly towards me while I'm trying to respond to another inmate. Like I had nowhere to go. Oh God! Nowhere. If they had simply gone in the other direction, there was a door that would have taken right where they were trying to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, inmate gets uh, gets charged with uh, assault. Of course. Um, I got charged with assault. I got. I was charged with felony assault. <laughs> yeah. Why? Uh, yeah, I, I go through the court system. Uh, I spend like all my retirement <laughs> uh, to uh, to defend the defend this, and then uh, it it drags on for three years. Three years? I, I mean, it should be open and shut. I, I mean, were the guards blinded? Like, are they? Their testimony meant nothing, or funny thing about that, uh, the guards didn't want to say, "Oh, well, we let him write to the doctor." They 
they oh no we have it under we we were completely had it under control there was no reason for him to strike the, the inmate so you're incompetent yeah. and now now that i'm apparently violent which is yeah i don't really have that vibe i, I just really don't <laughs> no yeah anyone um, would see that and just laugh at that notion oh well but so three years uh, in your entire retirement so we got i've got trial set gonna go to trial finally after three years just oh let's just get this over with get a call from my attorney and says um we're not going to trial tomorrow she dismissed it she called and said i i can't beat the burden of proof oh wow they offered me no less than three times look just confess say that you did it say that you you were just trying to hurt the guy and we'll make sure you don't get jail time this is insane and and this should be a lesson to anyone the justice system there ain't no justice and there ain't no system <laughs> hold on i i i if if you if you saw that documentary on making a murderer uh, um i i know the one you're talking about i was too lazy just, to watch it just kind of yeah you you can see why the system really is just set up to screw folks oh yeah absolutely but so after three years it's dismissed and i could not be more thrilled of course uh my mom gets ill and i go down and take care of her because mm -hmm. they put her on hospice okay. so I, I got to learn what that was like and what was there and i was there when she died mm -hmm. and uh I got to see what the hospice folks did. Yeah. And I thought, man, that, that's just, when I need the most, you're actually helping me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I would much rather do that than ever have to work in a prison again. Yeah. No kidding. Sounds so good. that's, that's what I did. I went to work for hospice. So I do counseling. I do counseling with uh, folks who, are dying and I do counseling with folks who've lost somebody they love. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the worst day I ever had there was a hundred times better than anything I'd ever done. Oh, uh, sure. Cause you're actually, you're working with folks who truly do need your help and, and they're grateful that you're there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, as something as final as death, it's, it's kind of like you've, you got to deal with it somehow. I, I, I mean, Absolutely. you know. It, it, some people are okay when they lose somebody they love. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe for a lot of different reasons. Um, some, you know, they believe in, in a life after this one. Yeah. Or maybe they, they, they see it as it's a transition. Birth is a transition. Death yeah. is a transition. Why are we, why are we going to be? overly dramatic about what we're we're dealing with absolutely uh, those folks do exist uh the, when you go to those funerals you see small groups of people and they're always talking and they're always laughing and they're always telling stories about the person who passed mm -hmm. nothing to worry about those folks are going to be resilient they are going to be able to process this yes if you go to a funeral and everyone is weeping and there's this great 
show of grief, yeah, um, yeah. It, there is most likely going to be a problem. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's definitely true. I um, luckily haven't been to to too many funerals, but my dad does funeral honors for the VFW out in Idaho, and he describes cool. all the all the different types. I mean, you know, Mormon funerals tend to go on forever. You know, the Catholic funerals still have the wake, but the funeral itself is very Real quick. regimented. Um, yeah. <laughs> They've got their funeral mass. They're they're in oh, and out in forty five minutes. Let's go. <laughs> I guarantee you've got somebody timing the priest. Yeah. Okay. But uh, come on, Father. She's not getting any fresher. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it is uh, interesting. And then um, you know you hear about Jewish funerals are like really, I mean, colloquially speaking, you know, real real meltdowns real shows of grief but i you know it's it's all different and you know you see you know firsthand with what it's like and and what uh you know how people manage all that how it manifests and how long have you been doing that um a year a year yeah so it's it's um it, it made me feel a whole lot better about a whole lot of things truly I, like, I I feel useful again. Well, I mean, talk about you know a higher higher purpose. I mean, we all want to work towards something that's just so far beyond us. And uh, boy, uh, something something like that helping people, you know, on either side, like you described, the patients who are actually in hospice, family members who have lost someone. Um, that's such a heavy weight that people have to have to carry and to help lighten the load has to be really rewarding work. It, um, it's, it's fulfilling. It truly is. Wow. Um, I, I, I told you that whole story. Um, but the topic is really supposed to be kind of related to our time in the military. Uh, honestly, if you if you can navigate in the military and you can take all those skills they learned, mm -hmm. you you truly feel like you can do damn near anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Almost a Napoleon I, complex. <laughs> probably, They're kind of like, well, it'll either work out or it won't, but they need this mentality. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Time will tell the rest. It it made me not afraid to try things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it it certainly opened my horizons. It showed me a world that I didn't know existed, and that, that I, it's good to know some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, I. I've only kind of mentioned lurid stuff I learned in the military, but I, wow. I learned to deal with folks from every walk of life yes. of every race, every, every, I mean, it, it really was great. Yeah. So, it is uh it is an amazing experience and really, really one that, boy, that's just the perfect foundation just to talk to people. I mean, I, I talked about my dad heading up the VFW out in, in Idaho and, you know, VFW posts 
you know, they're they're mainly older folks or, you know, Vietnam era veterans like my dad. I mean, it's like, you know, I go out there, I'm in I'm in my thirties. I'm I'm still in the military and uh and you get to talking to them and it's like, well yeah, different eras, but I mean the language is the same and the shared experience and mentality, I mean it's it's such a so much of a potential friendship the bases the boxes have already been checked off <laughs> and you're Very off true. to the races it, it doesn't matter the age difference or anything else the connection is really amazing I, I i i don't want to say i want to listen to war stories but i like hearing what it was like for other folks particularly if they were in either the core or in the navy because it, it's that much different that i I really want to hear how that is. Right. So. Yeah. I'm always, always curious about those things too. Um, hence why I do this <clears> podcast. <throat> when exactly. I hear, exactly. hear what it's all about. Um, wow. That's, that's amazing. So uh, all told how, how long were you in uh, active duty and the reserve? Uh, it was a total of five years altogether. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, that's plenty of time. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, my, yeah, my reserve time ended uh, after that car accident. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a, have have you ever had to use VA services? Like yes. like go to the hospital? Yes. Um. Actually, so this was after my active duty time, and I guess yeah, I was already in the reserves, but you know, I might as well just stay yeah. under VA healthcare instead of Tricare. So. I've broken both my ankles, luckily at different times. Uh, and the VA, same VA hospital, did both surgeries. Um, the first one, my follow-up care is at that same hospital. The second one, I had to fly back here to New York. My follow-up care is here, and it was actually pretty good. Um, and uh, I read, uh, kind of off topic, but Nigel Farage's books, he's had some really just bizarre brushes with death. And his experience is socialized medicine is pretty damn good with acute care and just an unmitigated disaster with chronic care. And I'd have to say, not having re required chronic care yet, I I concur with fifty percent of that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, the the thing that. Uh, I had two friends who one could not get the care that he needed mm -hmm. because there was nothing available for him. Uh, he when he came home from uh, from Kuwait he found his wife and his two sons mm -hmm. living in his house with another man oh yeah uh, so that wasn't so great uh, that ended uh, he ended up getting out of the army at the war college, mm -hmm. uh, met a lady. Um, they had a child together that ended and she had another boyfriend pretty quickly thereafter mm. and came over to quote, get her stuff with said boyfriend. Uh. And my friend Greg shot him right through the chest, okay. single round. Killed him instantly. Jeez. And then he turned the gun on himself. Uh. 
So if there had been even a, one support group out there just for that. him to talk about stuff that was going on, that would have been great. But yeah. the yeah. VA didn't see that as a priority. It's, oh. it is stunning. And, you know, not to diminish it, what he was going through. I mean, to come home, no. I, I mean, the term is, is a Jody. I mean, that's a story as old as, as time, oh, yeah. but there's such a stigma attached to it. And especially if it's something that traumatic, that overwhelming that happens to you, figuring out what your first step should even be is, I can't, can't even imagine, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems simple as, well, you know, you talk to your, talk to your buddies, but what if you can't go to your buddies, yeah. you know, and, and that what? the military, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, friend. No, I, well, and just that the military, I mean, they send you away for so long, this type of thing does happen. I mean, they're, it oh, yeah. is almost like a stereotype that it's not in any way addressed or, you know, that there's support or anything like that is, it just seems crazy, but. I would agree. Yeah. Um, the guy I grew up with, uh, his name was Gordon. Mm -hmm. um, he, he went over to Kuwait. He, um, we were in college together. And he was doing ROTC, but he was also in the reserve system, mm -hmm. that dual program. Well, I don't know what it's called, but yeah. um, so he got deployed to to Kuwait. And I, I don't know if you remember this. Remember in, in February uh, of, of 91, there was a, a Scud missile attack mm -hmm. and it killed uh, all these soldiers. They were, I remember that they were from a, like a quartermaster unit. They, they had been in the country, I think it was like a total six days. Oh, wow. And they're killed. Jeez. Well, my buddy Gordon was there, over there, mm -hmm. and he was one of the people who went in to pull bodies out. Oh, God. So you had Gordon before Kuwait, and you had Gordon after Kuwait. Um, could not stop drinking. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. Just could not. Uh, he, you know, he would went AWOL, uh, yeah, from the 101st. Not a good idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can imagine, especially 30 years ago. You know. So, yeah. He separates from the military, uh, just proceeds to drink more and more and more. Uh, then he starts getting pills from the VA and like there's this unending supply of oh yeah dope and booze and uh, yeah it killed him he died of an overdose oh my god now that th you bring that up that is one thing with when I the first time I broke an ankle I didn't know that I had broken it I knew something was pretty bad but I'm like yeah it's not broken you must have a so, you must have a very high pain threshold. Yeah, and after, like, I think two days, I mean, the ankle is so purple. I'm like, well, something's something's big wrong here. But uh, up until that point, it's like, well, yeah, I'd been drinking beer, but, like, it didn't even occur to me to take an ibuprofen. It just, I mean, it hurt, but it wasn't like, I need painkillers. And I went to the ER, and they took actually, they said, oh, yeah, it's broken. 
And they said, what have you been taking for pain? I'm like, nothing. I'm, I mean, it hurts, but like, I still like drinking beer and I like my liver. So I just, I'd rather have a beer than take an ibuprofen. And they prescribed Percocet. And I went, I am not filling that prescription. I'm simply not in pain. This is a recipe for disaster. Um, especially as much as I like to drink at the time. Post-surgery, once like the local anesthetic wore off, oh yeah, you definitely need it. They've been drilling holes in your bones, you know, whatever. But even then, Ooh. like after about two days, you know, and I was able to sleep through the night, it's like this is this shit is only going to get me in trouble, so I'm going to do the right thing and sell it on the black market. I'm kidding. <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, that that's, was, that's incredibly funny, but it's also true. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, yeah. I just, I knew for me, as, as weird as it sounds, alcohol is kind of my anti-drug. It's like, that stuff is going to ruin my life just as well on its own. I don't need to mix anything with it and just stay away from it. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky to be able to say that I haven't had a drink in two and a half years and life is enormously wow. better for it. But it's just fantastic. Uh, but uh, you know, drinking, I I know what a horrible monkey that is to throw off your back, and if that's your only demon, I know in my case, I tried quitting several times before it just kind of clicked, and it's a lot of work. And it's very frustrating, and you know, you add anything else to that mix, there's no intervention. Uh, I mean, that is a dark, terrible road for anyone to go down. I'm really sorry to hear that about about Gordon. Uh, I mean, again, I, I look at that and think, okay, this is a guy with PTSD and he's self-medicating as much as he can. Yeah. How about we get him into therapy and maybe try and work with him? They just want to give him pills. Yeah. The pill will fix it. No, it, it really will not. No. It, you know, it incapacitates the person. Oh, yeah. It, it gets them you know, out of, uh, the provider's hair. Um, it's, it's the quickest way, uh, you know, something, something effective is going to be much more involved and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a hell of a lot more effort. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's, um, and, and that's kind of one thing that is weird with the, with the Navy. I mean, I was in the reserves when, when I quit, but once, few months after quitting I just went I don't really believe in this whole in what we're doing anymore and I, I think I want to get out do you think the reserve component being what it is is that is that one of the bigger reasons you're getting out is just because what you liked about active duty is it's just not there uh, there's some of that uh, but then you get into big picture and I I think well, it depends on the person, but for me, I, I thought, okay, if I join, I'm serving my country. No, I'm serving my government, and there's a big difference. And and I yeah. got, once I realized that distinction and and saw it for, for what it was, I resented I, it more and more. I'm not, I, I'm not sorry I did active duty time or any of my military time. It's just, I wish I would have known more. Forgive me for being political for like a minute, or, oh, but no, I I don't understand why somehow Ukraine has become a fifty-first state, 
and we, yeah. we're doing this for us. I, I no, 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 we're not. It's it strikes me just kind of weird. I, I can't believe they're contemplating sending kids. Oh, it's talking kids. Horrible. I've gotten really old. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I but it's true, um, because you know anyone older is gonna be gonna be against that. Um, you know, and they'll tell you as a first responder, you know, what's the first thing you check for? Is the scene safe? And right now, I don't think that this country is in any shape to lend any amount of help anywhere else. I mean, we're we're in a lot of trouble right now um, at home. And, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly fond, you know, in later years, particularly fond of the foreign intervention or whatever else. And, you know, you kind of go, okay, well, I did my military time. And, and believe me, like, for all the reasons you mentioned, I'm glad I did it. It got me out of this bubble, got me around the world, gave me a perspective I never would have had otherwise. Um, money to blow on the College of Humanities, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but you two uh, can have an English lit degree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went with the more useless history teaching, uh, where I learned I should not teach children. But, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sorry I, I did those things, but you kind of look at it and it's just like, wow, we are spending a lot of money on this military that, I, you know, my service didn't do anything for the people that I love and care about. I mean, I, I can't say that it really did. So it's, it's a weird you feeling. Certainly, you, you certainly, uh, there was a, a Marine Corps general, I think, Smedley, I can't remember, Smedley. Uh, Smedley he Butler, said, yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that may be it. Um, I, th I think you're uh, right. War is a racket. Yeah. Yes, war is a racket. Um, he gave a speech one time, saying, basically, he had fought in all these wars, mm -hmm. and they were all corporately driven. There was a money to be made, and that's the only reason we were doing it. Yeah, it it really seems that way, um, and. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I I could talk we, we might need to split that into a two parter if you want to get into yeah. delve into that more. I'm I'm all all about it. Um but uh, you know, even if you do get, you know, at some point the country's going to get into a conflict whether it's justified or it's not. Um but the VA's charge has always been to take care of the veteran. Um and I they've they've failed in that on on a lot of things. And uh, certainly, you know, that chronic care that a lot of troops need with, with PTSD is is not addressed. And, you know, that care isn't provided. And uh, I got help shortly after I, I quit drinking. I went to the VA here in Manhattan and said I need to talk to somebody. And they said, well, you can do uh, in-house with the VA or NYU has a nonprofit. It'll do 16 weeks. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. I said, I'll, I'll go with option two. And that actually, like, went into the pandemic, but that helped helped enormously. Now, really yeah, it was, it was a great thing. I was also ready for it. And, yeah. you know, that's that's another, uh, I'm sure you can speak to, uh, issue with mental health is that the person has to be ready for it, too. 
Um, and, and they they really want to to make that change. And yes. sometimes people, it, it hurts, but it didn't hurt bad enough for me to change my life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be here when you do. Um, yeah. But you're you're exactly right. You you show just tremendous discipline. You truly do about hey, I've got to quit this, and if I want to do this and be successful at it, I know I need a little help. Yeah. Um, when you've got injured, you've been able to say no to uh, opiates. Which let's be let's be honest about it. Opiates, great drugs. Right, drugs. Yeah, it's like heroin. Um, better. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, two thumbs up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, most people don't say no to that, and so the fact that you can and yeah. you have the, the presence of mind to do that—that that, that's remarkable discipline, truly. Yeah. Well, I I realized early on, you know, you think about uh, a regulated drug, alcohol. I mean. You know what it is when you're buying it in the states, and you think about the times that you blacked out or threw up or what. That's an overdose, and it's like if I'm overdosing on an unknown substance, especially if I say this is my drink. Oh, I don't need to tangle with anything else. <laughs> oh. Oh. None of us do, for real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, wow. Well. Uh, Casey, I, I really appreciate you uh, uh, coming on and, and sharing your experiences in the Army and the War College and, and beyond and uh, sharing the, the tragic stories of, uh, of your two friends. Um, do you have uh, anything anything else you, you want to add on, on just anything that we, we talked about? Um. I've gone on for way too long. <laughs> That's all right. But but my my hope in in doing all that is uh, you can get at least use some of this. I um, I think I'm probably going to use pretty much all of it. Uh, the the only question I have for myself is do I want to make this a two parter? Which I might. I might okay. do that. But um, but I really really appreciate you coming on. I mean these stories are are interesting. They're fascinating to me. Um. You know, we always, we all know about like American Sniper or, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and all these books are, are amazing and, and great stories, but people forget, you know, average Joes and Janes like us served and, and have some pretty <laughs> damn fine stories to tell too. So, exactly. Um, it, it can be such a positive experience. It truly can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I certainly, I don't regret my service. Um, I'm glad I did it and uh, you know especially just like you say it made you fearless you know you try anything and uh, it gives me a special connection with with people like you I mean just right off the bat which is super cool uh, I like the phrase that you'd used before it checks off so many boxes of the friendship application <laughs> it does yeah yeah I mean that, is, that is, was fantastic Bumble is struggling to crack that code that the military is <laughs> never going to do awesome. it. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, Casey, thanks again. I love your podcast. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Oh, uh, absolutely. Thank you for, for coming on, and uh, thank you for your support. And um, uh, I, I don't suppose that you want to uh, plug 
what you do in real life, uh, except <laughs> as you've just previously described it. But uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I work for a hospice doing, doing counseling, and uh, amazing. I work. find it really fulfilling. So uh, I like to think I'm truly helping folks. Uh, oh, you absolutely are. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I uh, remember my mom recommending hospice care to uh to someone because I, I mean it's a it's a fairly new field right it's only been like the last couple decades oh, yeah it's, it's i guess i guess 50 years old would be about about when it started uh and it's it it really it embraces one of the one of the things when you hear about that from natural life to a natural death mm-hmm. uh when when there isn't a treatment that's going to be available when the terminal the person has a terminal condition mm-hmm. um you know how the story ends do you want to end it in a hospital yes. uh spending yeah. everything that your your loved ones could really use mm-hmm. um or, or do you do you want to be with people that you love in a place that you want to be yeah um you're not going to feel pain. We, yeah. we can control that. Yeah. So it it it's a more dignified way to leave this world. Let's be honest. It is. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I I appreciate you and uh, all the Thank amazing you, work uh, you've done and continue to do. And uh, let's definitely stay in touch. But uh, thank. Thanks again so much, Casey. I appreciate it. Listen, I I truly appreciate it. And uh, I want to keep watching the show, so please keep doing them. Oh, absolutely. It's too much fun for me to stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care, sister. All right. You too.